Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Now Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, NXT 2, but oh, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bunch of quiz of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw. We haven't been together in over... But it's good to be back. Uh, <laughs> Hamlet, what did you make of last night's show? The maths on that. It's been like three weeks. Since uh, uh, the maths on that is so crap. And you got that hey, one It's in not inaccurate. No, it's not inaccurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. So I talked with Sidgwick a little bit about this over the desks. I didn't love this episode of Raw. But I've been... So, like, we were off last week and I was catching up on all the wrestling yesterday and it was the sort of the... What was this, like third or fourth pronounced Triple H mm-hmm. Raw now? And he's, his changes are coming in. I thought the changes would take longer than they have done. And not so much, I'm not talking about all these wrestlers that I don't like that he's re-signing, but more that this actually feels like a wrestling show we can analyze as a wrestling show. I didn't terribly enjoy this edition of Raw, but I'm going to say that as if I didn't enjoy an episode of Dynamite. So in a way, I'm kind of paying it a compliment. This wasn't... Oh, this role is terrible. Following WWE is nightmarish. It is impossible. None of these characters matter because even if you like them now, you won't in two weeks. It's chaos and it's not even fun chaos. This was just not one of the more entertaining roles. Mm. And it's it's not so much what he's doing overtly. It's a vibe. Like instantly, to me at least, this actually feels like a wrestling show again. It's always going to be WWE, right? There's always going to be um, longer promos, things that open the show that are impromptu, whatever. And there's stuff like that on this show. Yeah, But we're getting like the best version of it. We're getting NXT Red or NXT Blue. And unfortunately, towards the end, quite a lot of that was boring as well. So I think for all there's going to be some good weeks, this was like a bad week of, of the functional version of WWE. For me, and this is a general point, but it very much applies specifically to this episode because I didn't think it was particularly interesting. Like, Triple H is banking without any really fresh ideas or a full-scale transformative revamp on right and it's the absolute sound approach to take. You, can't, you cannot begrudge him for taking this approach. The Triple H is back to basics, right? Titles have to mean something. We can only really get away with one absolutely anticlimactic, non-finish per show, if that. We're going to have clean results with long matches 
and just very basic, basic pro wrestling. And you kind of have to establish that foundation. They're still you need a discipline, didn't you? Yeah. You need to have a few boring, basic shows to set the foundation, to um, re-engage the audience, to establish trust and, you know, the various characters who are clearly being positioned to do something big or long-term, like Kevin Owens, Champa, Cross. You can see who these guys are, and it's going to be worthwhile, I think, or at mm. least interesting to track where they are. And if he does, basically wants Kevin Owens to be the 2015 guy that he's never really existed on the main roster. It's like a reboot, a reset. Mm-hmm. If in three months, and it will take something along these lines, I can still take him seriously and I'm interested in his direction, then my tone might radically shift on these podcasts. But the specter of what used to happen on this show, ritually, i.e. nothing that means anything, still looms too heavily over it for me to really just naively start talking about this in a new tone. And then the other side of that, I can't do cartwheels over six minutes plastered on a match that doesn't really need it Mm. because this show is three hours long. Mm. i uh, very reluctant to say this. And I wouldn't do it on Twitter because there's no point. If this happened, right, if the non-disclosure agreements and the hush money was all established in 2016, right, just before New Japan made... WWE unwatchable, right? I'll be like, right, boom, I can engage. Mm-hmm. AEW, for me, caters to my subjective tastes on pro wrestling so acutely at its best that I can't do cartwheels over back-to-basics, capital G, good wrestling, yet. For now, it's still a little bit, yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was solid. Uh, I can't do cartwheels over that, and I- you shouldn't patronize them either. Like, I'm not being funny. One more thing. And it covers something that's going to happen later in the show. Drew McIntyre screaming the word wrestling at the top of his lungs. <laughs> it's almost like, and I've used a similar analogy before, but you know it's still applicable. It's a bit like my son James getting the D and the B the right way around in his sentences because he still can't do that. Once he gets that right, right, I'm not going to go, God damn it, I'm energized by this. I'm pumped by this. My escapism is just completely catered for by this. It will be, right, okay, you got basic letter construction correct. <laughs> well done, James. I got well done Triple H for booking a finish. It's absurd. Yeah. To be fair to James, you were like, well, do me a design of my favorite wrestler. And he just done your Daniel Bryan, and then he was have to do Brian Danielson. Yeah. So <laughs> what's the chance that he have, you know? I know. But you know, I can't do a cartwheel because Drew yeah, McIntyre yeah. says wrestling. Michael Cole saying fans. That was the first one the other week. Did you hear that? Michael Cole's back. He was like, well, A, he was never there. But B, like, <laughs> it's just, you've had a company telling you to F off to your face C, for that many years. C, like, if you want a candid glimpse of what Michael Cole is like as a real human being, just go and watch NXT Season 3, and then yeah. I dare you to put him over. I, that's the real Michael Cole. I dare you to put him over. This does, like, I'm glad sort of Cedric mentioned that about AEW as well. And, like, it's okay for, like, different wrestling shows to cater to your taste. Mm-hmm. I'm Again, this is why this might feel so subjective, I, I kind of do want to love this. Yeah. Something in me wants to love this. Um, and it does instantly feel like it's catering to my tastes. And about three years ago, my tastes were deemed largely redundant by a war that was profoundly lost. <laughs> so there is a certain cul-de-sac that Triple H will very quickly find himself in if that's the route yeah. he proceeds with long-term. I think Survivor Series is a really cool destination point to look for, right? We've got Clash at the Castle coming up, which is this weird stadium outlier, and then a couple of B-shows, and then Survivor Series. If, by Survivor Series, which we assume will still be brand versus brand nonsense, but if by then, all the champions... So right now, right, 
in, he's done such a good job of elevating the Intercontinental title and US title in three weeks that people are saying, man, like the way we're going, Lashley and Gunther at Survivor Series is going to rule. They're not wrong. Like, if this, on this trajectory, like, that's going to work. If he can make that pay-per-view, traditionally, a nightmarish mess of a thing work based on all the building blocks he's put in place between when he'd take over July, July, November, I think that's an honest mm. sort of appraisal of, like, good work being done. But I still can't promise to everybody that it's going to be entertaining. Like, me and Cedric might find ourselves disagreeing on how much we were entertained by a Raw because it's a Triple H Raw yeah. and there's things that we like and things that we don't. But... It's like, and WWE have just shifted, like this is related, WWE have just shifted like nearly 50,000 tickets per night for both nights of WrestleMania on day one of the on sale. So enough of it was still functioning successfully mm. that the more he does, the more they were like, well, pull back on that a little bit because some of that stuff was actually working for people. One more thing. It's going to go very long, but I was on holiday when this happened, so I couldn't get my hot take out there right. It nauseated me profoundly when... Everyone's like, Papa H. He's <laughs> just delivered a killer summer slam. Everything's going to be fine. That was a Vince McMahon production that had been in place for quite some yeah. time. Triple H has never done anything remotely as fun as Brock comes down on a tractor. That is so Vince. It was Triple H at the beginning with the women. It was Vince at the end with the tractor. Yes. Yeah. But everyone's like, oh, Triple H is fun. It's what you come here for, guys. <laughs> is it? Because I think that was Vince's. Like, if you think of the, the pragmatic thing of yeah. this is a really elaborate risky stunt everybody that said really that's like classic WWE he booked classic WWE Vince yeah at the minute now you're gonna get top dollar in 20 minutes in a DQ <laughs> yeah there's a lot been going on and, and with with our personal holidays and with different like work holidays that we've had anyway we've kind of missed out we'll try maybe we'll do like a, a like a questions you want answered podcast mm. maybe towards the end of this week so we can try and cover off stuff like the, the returns from NXT and, and things like that. Wrestling feels like it needs a bit of a mop-up, doesn't it? On like catching up on everything because yeah. it's been so scattershot. And I was I was slightly concerned that I was going to come in here today. You remember sometimes where I'd have a long sleep and come in and go, was this the best show ever? Because I'm actually just in a good <laughs> mood. I tried to counteract that because like I've had a week away. I took a, took a step back from... Thank you, I missed that, right? But then I did the same as you. I caught up on it all, and I didn't want to just come back in and be like, "Oh, I'm watching wrestling. I get to review it again, and this is great. It's ridiculous that we get to do this as a job." And I, I you know, you know that I'm always tend to be leaning towards the optimistic side of WWE. But I completely agree. I'm not going to come in and go, "Well, Raw's fixed." So there you go. It's back to being the best show of the week. I do that as a gimmick to wind up Andy Murray, but that's funny. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I, I think the perfect microcosm for that, for me and this show, was was um, Kevin Owens versus Drew McIntyre. Because mm. there was elements to it. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm so fired up. This is great. And that's talking about the promos and the match. But there was also elements where I was like, oh, all the rot's clearly not gone completely. And there's still stuff that I don't like about this show. So it's akin to what you were saying. The reason why we often come in and people go, you're so harsh on Dynamite, is because we know the levels it can reach. I'm not suggesting that's the same here for Monday Night Raw. The curve also, is still in place. But yeah. I'm also not going to say, oh, well, this Raw's back to the best whenever it was, because it's it's a there's a long way to go. It's obviously been a seismic shift backstage, and there is, and like you say, Sige, it was like when people were saying, first SmackDown with Triple H in charge, let's see what's going to happen. Well, he'd be pretty, he'd think he took over at about 6pm, so I want to expect vast changes. And yes, we got the occasional word that we weren't allowed to hear before or match that we were surprised to see, but it's not 
completely the new Triple H era is just like a blank sheet and we just carry on from there. I think it's like, for me personally, it's a bit of an aspirational thing. I'd like by Royal Rumble season, which traditionally was always the most exciting period from Royal Rumble to WrestleMania, a well-booked run is exhilarating. Week on week on week, they're setting up. They've got to say 15 matches over two nights set up for WrestleMania. So you've got loads of different angles, loads of different surprises, comebacks, etc. I want to hold it. It's it's we're years away from holding it to the standards we hold AEW to. Mm-hmm. Years. Yeah. But I'd like to hold it to somewhere close to that by January. By WWE's hottest period of the year, I think it's going to be acceptable to be entering into a raw and smackdown review thinking, well, you know, at very least like a rampage standard maybe not right now but like a good rampage standard yeah and i don't think that's unreasonable like i say if he's had these half decent six months where he has got the basics basics fundamentals leveled because that's what this whole promotion needed it needed like leveling and starting Mm. again if he's done that you'll kind of see that i think in the rest of because by then we're not going to talk about this smackdown so this feels like an example that i'm not going to tread on the toes of our review here Ronda Rousey's thing with the cash on SmackDown with Shayna Baszler coming out and saying, you know, that's not how we do it here. And Shayna saying, uh, Ronda saying to Shayna, you used to be a killer, right? Shayna might not be Liv Morgan, but there is an implication there that what we know about Shayna Baszler and Triple H is that within four or five months, Adam Wilborn, you might be getting your Shayna Baszler. Like in all seriousness, you might be getting what you want again. And there can be a lot of that. Wrestling, WWE can be so much more fan service than Vincent Mann ever believed it to be without it being some strange compromise. He believed if he gave anything away, it's like, now we've given him too much. You've got to take (laughs) them all the time. There was loads that he could have offered and Triple H at this point has this opportunity for the second half of 2022 to offer so much to set up his next year ahead. And I think that's like... I think that's one of the more fascinating elements. Like I say, I don't like most of the wrestlers he's so far chosen to bring back out from the cold. But, you know, we could be three weeks away from the fucking fiend. Like, we could. <laughs> yeah, I, I, this was very much a sort of a by-the-numbers sort of wheel-spinning episode because we're, what, three weeks, mm-hmm. just under three weeks away from Clash at the Castle. So you've got, like, next week they're in Toronto. Yeah. Edge, Damien Priest, all that. So that's coming up. And then the week after that is obviously the go-home show. This was just sort of a very much, yeah... Let's just keep things ticking over. You know, glimpses of stuff to come. But this is this was far more... It's not going to be that memorable. I guarantee next week I'll be struggling to remember large parts of it. But it was more memorable than it would have been, I think, under the Vince era, like you say, in terms of th- there was actually stuff that happened. People won matches. People lost matches. Yes, there were still DQs. There's still problems there, without a question. But it was intriguing more than normally a just sort of, oh, let's just fill three hours between uh, premium live events. on Every segment on every show was a Snapchat video that disappeared after you watched it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how they wanted you to consume it as well. And that's so desperately needed to change and has done, I think, already. Right, let's dive into Raw. It started with an... Is that a new intro video? Have I just skipped past it before? I generally don't know anymore. Don't new intro video, Pyro, new. a lot of people getting excited about that. And the Judgment Day coming out. There's Rhea Ripley, Finn Balor, Damien Priest. Uh, Rhea Ripley says, the Judgment Day run Monday Night Raw. And that's been a harsh reality to everyone, especially the Mysterios. She's even to prove to Dominic that she was his pappy. Oh, my God. Uh, Balor says, oh, I don't understand everyone's love for the Mysterios. <laughs> And uh, and I've got some bad news for you tonight. Ray and Dominic, they're not here. Uh, Ripley's taken out Dominic, and I destroyed Ray to solidify my legacy. Priest talked about being reg- ready for Edge next week in Toronto. Edge isn't here tonight either. The crowd boo. Uh, Priest says, I'm going to put the final nail in the coffin of his career, I'll, and I can do it without Ripley or Balor being at ringside. Um, Edge, you're going to go back to retirement in Toronto, uh, and that's not just, you know, just... 
being on crap TV shows, etc. I'm going to put you in a wheelchair and someone's going to have to feed you through a tube, basically. Suddenly, Ray bursts in, attacks them, clears the ring of Priest and Bala, and Ripley's there. And she's like, go on, swing for me. And obviously, Ray won't do that. Bala tries to come in with a chair. Ray kicks it in his face and attacks Again, him, uh, Bala and Priest with the chair, but won't use it uh, on Ripley. And that allowed Bala and Priest to recover and get the better of him. Ripley DDT'd Ray on a chair. We want Edge Chance. They've already told you he's not here. Um, and then uh, there's a rough-looking coup de gras on a chair on Ray, and they all stand tall to close the opening segment. I really like this for a number of reasons. I'm going to make one of the kindest comparisons for Triple H I've ever made on any podcast ever, right? And it's to Dusty Rhodes. Cody has spoken lovingly about how Dusty as a trainer and in the later stages of his career would talk a lot about broken toys. And I always think that was a bit of a dig at Vince as well. Uh, like Vince has got a new toy and he would like take a broken toy who would either been damaged by the system or like wasn't very well developed in SCW or early NXT under Build Mott and he would fix that broken toy or he would make that broken toy new with a new ingredient. He would find something in all those people that came to NXT that just praised Dusty Rhodes for helping them find themselves again. Triple H, to his immense credit, is trying to do that with the Judgment Day. Mm. This stable was a disaster. Like, it it like it was a disaster for Edge, just his latest disaster in a series of them, right? And then Finn Balor and Damien Priest looked like complete losers. This thing that should have really helped elevate Rhea Ripley from the off seemed like it was doing her no good as well. And I think thus far, they've been a bit of a minor success story in the Triple H regime. They've not gone terribly wrong with them. They've established this pretty fun dynamic between Rhea and Dominic. They've left a tease of whether or not Dominic's going to join and... Uh, like rationale for him joining as well. As we said all along. As, as we said all along. Uh, Damien Priest and Edge has been built to really genuinely quite well yeah. in a way that we would credit AEW for in terms of localised promotion and setting things up weeks in advance because you know where your, your mm-hmm. arenas yeah. are in the calendar, all that kind of stuff. And they had a message here and were organically interrupted without it needing to lead to an impromptu match. They came out because they earnestly believed that nobody was there, they could say their piece and leave, and then Ray shocks them, and they've got to quickly regroup and batter him. And I, like, so this all made sense, and the characters weren't like flawed in their methods or made to look stupid, and they could actually believe what they were saying. I, I thought this was pretty strong stuff. There was a distinct and I dare say noticeable lack of completely pretentious bollocks where Finn Balor couldn't believe what he was saying and I didn't know what he was talking about. They usually have these sort of keywords and phrases that want to get in to sound clever. This is direct, succinct, to the point, again, the curve. How exciting is that? I don't know. But they kind of timed this out really well. Just at the point where I was like, oh, shut up, Damien. You're getting a little (laughs) bit boring now. That's when the flurry of um, activity was initiated and I'll tell you what, um, Triple H knows how to layer a brawl or a scene where previously it was heat, 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 like get behind the baby faces, stupid, where it was like very oppressive, very redundant, that geeked out people just effortlessly. There are, he knows how to arrange these brawls. I think there's a bit more thought put into them where you actually have little glimpses where you can actually get behind the baby face and they show a bit of fight or a bit of verve or a bit of savvy before they are, you know, eventually beaten back down to get the elusive heat to the point where it actually means something because you kind of want Rey Mysterio, who showed something with those little flurries that is worth getting behind, but if only the numbers didn't catch up to him. Like, little, like, the brawls I've been a little bit more impressed by of late on WWE television, whereas I get deadened by them on Dynamite these days. I think a little bit of thought goes a long mm. way. 
then we got the uh, next match in the women's tag team title tournament. It was Asuka and Alexa Bliss versus Yevi and uh, Nikki A.S.H. with, uh, of course, Bianca Belair in Bliss and Asuka's corner um, with them teaming up for the three-on-three match at uh, Clash at the Castle. Uh, Nikki's got rid of the cape. She's got a black leather jacket now, and they, they got a bit of offense in. They didn't look like such geeks like they normally do here. Dewdrop and Nikki A.S.H. actually looked like a team. Dewdrop, I thought, looked really formidable in terms of just being the muscle of this team. She squished Bliss against the ring post, to, I think, before as we were going into a break. Uh, Asuka comes back there with a hot tag, hits Nikki with a German suplex for a two. Uh, Nikki hits a flying crossbody, but Bliss gets in to break up the cover. Dijeb uh, hits her running crossbody, which looks brutal, of course. Uh, Asuka hits Dewdrop with a back fist, but Dewdrop hits a Mishinoku driver. A lot of them on this show, by the way. That gets her a two count. In comes Bliss, hits Dewdrop with the DDT. Uh, Asuka comes back in and hits a code breaker, and Bliss knocks out Nikki, and Asuka puts Dewdrop in an armbar, or just this brutal-looking stretch submission thing for the victory. Post-match, as they're celebrating and walking up the ramp, outcome, uh, Bailey, Io Sky, and Dakota Kai to confront them, but thankfully officials get in between them before anything could happen. Uh, I'm really getting got a chance to get your thoughts on the uh, women's tag team title tournament. It's, uh, it is what it is. It doesn't really spark too much excitement within me. I think they made an error last week by positioning Dana Brooke and Tamina, I think it was, in a 10-minute match at the expense of this new sort of like theoretically seismic yeah. women's stable. I just thought it was very 50-50 against people who should not be going 70-30 um, in Dana Brooke and Tamina. This was a minor improvement. It still wasn't great. Like Alexa Bliss's work doesn't really... Her strengths aren't best serviced in a lengthy TV match. I think some of her stuff looked weak, and I was quite disappointed by certain exchanges with uh, Nikki A.S.H. and Asuka. I was expecting more. Mm-hmm. They've got great previous. There were certain things in the corner that just looked really overtly cooperative and just a bit messy, a bit... I could see the wires of what they were trying to do. I had all the time in the world for the finish because, as you said, like they depicted um, Dudrep as a monster specifically so that Asuka would look like a killer for, like, just basically twisting her arm out of socket. Yeah. This did loads for Asuka. Um, I'll never remember it, but mm. it's nice to get, again, you know who Triple H likes, and you think that he's not like Vince McMahon. So when you get an Asuka or a Kevin Owens or someone like that doing something on the show, it actually feels like it's worth your time. And it was a really cool finish. Talk about broken toys. You could argue all four of them in this match. Everyone in this company is a broken toy. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> they, they, well, it's, yeah, this was, and there's a number of examples of this on the show, this was Triple H's booking at its most robust, if not that good or entertaining. And there's a place for that. And I think the women's division is probably what needed that the most. This was, this felt credible enough to be a tournament match when so many of these teams have been thrown together and we know why the belts are up for grabs in a tournament in the first place. And um, I can't decide if there seems to me to be a distinct lack of chemistry between Asuka and Alexa Bliss. And I can't decide if that's actually a little bit of booking. Mm-hmm. And these these three women have kind of come together to oppose the new heels who are a team and they're just a makeshift unit and the heels are going to win at Clash at the Castle. And that's going to be in part because Asuka and Alexa Bliss were never mates to begin with. And Triple H likes both of those, and that would make sense as like mm-hmm. quite a profiled feud for the pair of them while Bianca peels off into singles matches with Bailey or whatever. Um, all that's to say that this match uh, wasn't really... Like, it was... The work was okay, but it wasn't really that exhilarating. Save you know for what like, was coming. Yeah, yeah, save for like the last minute and a half. Um, I think 
I think they'll all be fine with it. I genuinely think like they'll all be content with it. But as a viewer and as a fan, I just found it really hard to invest. Nicky Ash and Dewdrop, no matter how they're, the matches are laid out to sort of make them look like contenders, are just complete losers. Like the, that problem has not been solved. Mm. You know, in the last days of the Vince era, they put Dewdrop with Nicky to be like, "Come on, get serious," and then they continue to lose. Yeah, that made zero sense. And they, they they've not been dug out of that hole. And I guess it's one of the things where, like, you know. I can only fight so many fires at once. But, like, that one, like, in the meantime, there's still so many fires blazing that they're going to have this week on week. You're 100% right, though, Sidge. Next week, I'm going to sit here and go semi-final, you know, uh, Sky and Dakota versus uh, Asker and Bliss. And and you'll go, right, how do we get to this? And I'll go, oh, I don't remember. That. Yeah. It yeah, yeah. like, doesn't matter. Uh, right, theories backstage. Oh, sorry. First bloody podcast back. I'll mess my notes up here. Who's he being interviewed? Oh, yeah. Come on, Patrick! <laughs> uh, he says, oh, I'm, I'm fine. Don't ignore SummerSlam. I'm still Mr. Money of the Bank, youngest, this, this, that, and the other. Um, I'm still the hand, still the hand-picked future of this bit. This bit now. Wouldn't hold your breath on that one. Um, <laughs> he said, I've learned from what happened. I'm more dangerous now. In comes Dolph Ziggler and says, oh, do you know I had that briefcase? He doesn't mention it much. Um, he said, it wasn't handed to me. I earned it. That's why it meant something when I cashed in, became world heavyweight champion. And, and he was like, well... You're a has-been now. Um, <laughs> it's going to be more important when I become champion. I'm not going to screw up the rest of the career like Z- you did. And Ziggler headbutted him, and they brawl, and they have to be separated, and they keep brawling during the break and after the break. And more on this later on, possibly. Didn't hate the brawl, you know. Yeah, the brawl I did was not good. hate the brawl. I was about ready to bury it because the whole, oh, you're an absolute loser, and that is the truth, hardly gets me excited about the prospect of a Dolph Ziggler TV main event in 2022, Mm -hmm. which is not particularly exciting inherently. But an out-of-character, I'm genuinely pissed off at what you've just said, and I'm going to retaliate with my pride. Dolph Ziggler throwing a headbutt was that. It wasn't just, oh, let's start a fight. There was something pointed about that headbutt where I thought, go on, lad. (laughs) <laughs> There's something I, I don't know. It's just like it, it felt like his personal pride had been dented so much that he would do something like impulsive and violent and out of character because that like sort of conveyed how pissed off he was. Um, like pounding each other in this brawl again. Triple H knows certain things, one of which is a brawl. I, I can't pretend to be bothered about a Dolph Ziggler main event, but they tried to make me bothered about it. Yeah, exactly. Normally, in previous times, he would have just stood there. I've been told. You, you're useless, you're a has-been. And then they'd have just held it on his face for 10 seconds and then gone. Anyway, um, <laughs> and just you'd just be like, oh, okay, I guess that... that I guess that he is a loser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm nervous of, like, over the next few weeks, dishing out too much praise to Triple H in general, let alone for little things. He didn't deserve it. He's a jagoff. But I think this is a this, for me, is, a, like, another example of they didn't really need to pick this back up. Nobody would have cared if this strange, half-baked program between Dolph Ziggler and... Uh, theory that was a big deal. Well, not even a big deal, but a concern before SummerSlam and then didn't feature it all afterwards was just dropped forever. Nobody would care. And he kind of thought enough to pick it up and tie it up tonight. And I think that's just representative of you trying and it's going to take ages to be like, Mm. just have faith, have some faith because the stuff that I'm now concentrating on, if I can at least remember to just tie this up, Think about how good the stuff that I'm actually focused on from the very beginning will be. I think it's, in as much as anything, he's looking at the things that he just needs to tidy up off the back of the end of the Vince thing and he's trying to do it. So it looks good on him mm. as a like as a booker, as a, as a head of creative. I don't care about these guys or theory or, Ziggler, <laughs> or any of the feud or what they're talking about. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Sarah Schreiber is uh, interviewing Champa and Miz. Uh, Champa talks about his title match last week and how close he came to winning the US title, but they don't give out participation trophies around here. He wants to become a champion. He's going to do so the next opportunity he gets. Uh, Miz blames the loss on AJ Styles and says, hmm, lucky that he's got a title match off the back of that. Maybe it's a bit of collusion or something. Uh, but he says, I'm proud of you, Champa, and I've got you this. And it's a necklace for the both of them with a trading card with a picture of them both on the Logan Paul thing basically um and they're going to be in a tag match and earlier on in the day we see footage of Mustafa Ali and Cedric Alexander saying this is a new era of Raw we're excited to show what we can do uh and it's mainly get their heads kicked in um by the looks of things um although they did get a decent bit of offense and uh, Ali hit this wild dive so again Mishinoku driver uh Alexander hits Miz with one and Champa in mirroring of what happened in the US title match last week puts Miz's leg on the rope and says oh, oh rope break ref uh, and that brings Ali with this. He just flies into it with this suicide dive that sends uh, sends Champa over the announce desk into Corey Graves. I think it broke his phone or something like that. Um, Alexander goes, oh, I think he gets rolled up by the Miz, who puts his hands on the rope. But Ali sees that and kicks him, and that allows Alexander to reverse it. That gets a nice near fall. Uh, Champa comes in uh, towards the end of the match. Ali doesn't notice, goes for a 450, and Champa slides in with this mid-air knee strike, as if that wasn't enough to just knock him out cold. He hits him with another fairy tale ending for the one, two, three. What do you think of that spot? The finish was amazing. Like, Champa is in a such a rich run of form at the moment, and I think like, it's he's obviously motivated by the faith that Triple H has shown in him, and it's creative that on paper shouldn't work as well as it is. And I think that speaks to, like, not just letting the wrestlers wrestle or letting the wrestlers go without such an obvious script, as we'll get a good example of later on this show, but even just a bit of confidence rather than gaslighting and negging from your boss. Yeah. A bit of belief. Like, Champa and The Miz shouldn't make sense as a tag team. And yet, Champa, like, dresses to the nines at SummerSlam to show that he's kind of committed to The Miz cause. Then they have this cool little US title mini program where 
Like, it's teased that they're going to split, but instead, maybe they're stronger than ever. They've got their own playing cards or necklaces. The split is obviously going to come, mm-hmm. but they're both doing a very credible job of seemingly keeping things together before the Miz eventually turns or Champa gets sick of him or however that's going to pay off. So I just, I, I feel like he's wrestling as a very, very inspired version of himself. And we're seeing more, like that finish was tremendous, right? And we know Champa's got it in him, but I just feel like we're never going to see that on the main roster because why would he be motivated mm. to do that? Or why would that have even been posited to him by an agent that was basically serving Vince McMahon rather than serving the wrestlers? There's clearly, you can see in these match layouts and how they differ throughout the show as a viewing experience that yes, there'll be clear beats they've got to hit, but they're being given way, like way more leeway. Obviously so. Um, Ali and uh, Cedric Alexander as a tag team now can lose because again, if you're told, just keep the faith, sooner or later, they're going to keep having these rippers and win one. And it's going to be like, oh yeah, all them defeats was them just working out the kinks because the moves were there, the offense was there, but they weren't quite putting it together as a team. That's going to happen for them. Mm. Again, it's like, it's all about being allowed to have a little bit of faith. So I liked all of this. Dexter Loomis remains at large. You know, kind of like... So funny. And he's not getting responses for any of this and how it's going to, like, the Miz just stood there getting to watch Dexter Loomis is odd because he kind of doesn't want to... I don't know whether or not it's like, am I supposed to sell this as a shoot? Like, are we supposed to believe that Dexter Loomis is shoot-breaking at the buildings because it's 2022 and nobody does? And, like, the Miz is like, oh, just stand back. Oh, go go to black. Whatever, you know, I just... That's all nonsense. But Champer and the Miz, I think, is... It's good mid-card stuff. If the plan, and I believe it is, is to very slowly show and not tell the audience that Tommaso Ciampa is going to be this like sort of badass, upper mid-card baby face, then they're doing a pretty bang-up job with it. The action in this match is really good, particularly the finish. Again, I've been burned by this company so many times, <laughs> and I include Triple H and the Capital Goddamn Wrestling Center in this, right? And again... I'm still, I still have that reluctance. It will take months for me yeah. to finally embrace if I'm going to embrace at all. But dare I say, it was almost thrilling watching that finishing sequence play out because for once, you got this elusive hint that people backstage at their job are not piss-scared little babies who don't want to piss off Vince McMahon, who've got no idea how to get over in his system, you don't want to do anything to stand out, even though he's telling you to stand out. But, you know, if you do stand out, don't stand out. We don't want you to stand out. We <laughs> yeah. want the carefully handpicked guy to stand out. Watching a finishing sequence orchestrated with the fingerprints of the talent all over it, it wasn't just the execution. It wasn't just how spectacular it looked. It was the sense that people, the wrestlers, i.e. the right people, are having really energized, passionate conversations backstage about how they think the story should go, what the moves should be, what the finish should be. Their input was clear. It's going to take a while to get used to and indeed trust, but that finishing sequence is very much, oh, the wrestlers have definitely had a great idea and it was accepted as a pitch. And again, bare minimum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You'll see that in Impact. You'll see that in Stardom. You'll obviously see that in AEW. You'll see it in Tokyo Joshi Pro. You'll see it in GCW, even though I don't really like it. At least you get the sense, the expression. And again, it's a curve. I will never let them get away with a bare minimum and a curve, but it's still shocking. Mm. You remind me of the uh, the CM Punk story. When, and this is CM Punk, one of the most experienced guys they've got. It's like, right, you're going to go out and beat the shield in a 3 one handicap, but you've got to get them over and especially keep Roman strong. <laughs> and you're like, CM Punk's like an expert at this. Like, how can I do all of that? Like, that cannot be done. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 
Um, we get an update on Ezekiel, who obviously got attacked or beaten up, I should say, by Kevin Owens the previous week. Uh, and there is a lovely image of Ezekiel surrounded by various extended family members, let's say, um, who all look a little bit like <laughs> Ezekiel or Elias. Um, and thankfully, we got a little uh, brief interview with Ernie Jr., <laughs> Ezekiel's dad, who says he's going to be he's going to be out for a while. That image, I don't know why that t- I paused that and I was like. I love it. I, I, I'm, it's a real guilty pleasure of mine, this, because I know, to a certain, uh, certainly I got this from Andy this morning, some people are like, yeah, that, the time has passed with that, but there's still elements of this that I love. I was quite, I was taken by this, because last week it felt like, right, okay, the one fun thing that Vince did in the mid-card over the past few months, Triple H, obviously it's not intense or serious or good enough for him. I'll kind of miss it a Is little it, bit. Is he a slipknot? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, all right, he's clearly been written off because he got the stretcher job last week and everything. All right, okay, it's 2015 all over again. Well, that's great. Well, I'm in 2022, so I'm not that jazzed. <laughs> there was a little glimpse of, oh, a bit of part of this. Bit of bit of inspired yeah. part of this. I'll have it. I liked a great deal of this. I like that we got our first look at Elrod. Yeah. Because he was, I'm assuming, the other brother stood by Elias. Uh, I like <laughs> Ernie Jr. So there's another E, like, yeah. <laughs> further up the family tree. And that Zeke in his hospital bed was in full gear. Like, if you look, you can see the boots and the knee pads sticking out the bed. I was like, there's a lot of thought that's been put into this. Even when you're doing the stupid stuff, you can apply thought and make it even better. Well, this is it. It's anti-Titantron gag energy. Yeah. Well, you know those terrible ones, like, where they had, like, the eyes going in different directions and the bandage around the head, and now he's been beaten up and look like an asshole. You look like, pal. <laughs> that's what you essentially I made you look like last week, if you think about it. This is that, except good. <laughs> yeah, and I... <laughs> Anything to improve. The Royal Rumble was so bad this year. Anything to improve it. Put all of them in. The Royal Rumble <laughs> so I'll take it. Uh, right, Drew McIntyre's walking through the back and there's a bin on fire, um, which I, was more, we'll talk more about it when we get to the other Dexter bit because I assume it's all Dexter related. Uh, oh boy, Wale was seen in the crowd and then we got the Drew McIntyre segment. He comes out. Um, quick question. I think I know the answer to this, but I'm asking anyway. Um, what do you make of insert place, let me hear you scream? from Drew McIntyre, because I think it might be one of the worst things in wrestling. Drew McIntyre, Loki, is an absolutely hideous patter. Yeah. <laughs> like, I miss genuinely Banner, Banner Drew. He's not that funny. He's nowhere near as funny as he thinks he is. He's got this gregarious... He's got a crowd connection. I'll give oh, him that. Yeah. So it's fun to see on that level, but tribal queef was very much <laughs> like, I can say what I want now, lads. Now I'm going to say this. And it's just like, oh, God, you're not The Rock. Stop trying to be The Rock. I get that people gravitate towards Drew, and he's probably one of the funnier lads to knock about with backstage, but that doesn't make him Jerry Seinfeld. I, th- I think it's because he's trying to juggle Let his... me hear you scream! Yeah, he's juggling his, like, really cheesy Butlin's intensity with it, which I think makes it worse. Like, it's quickly becoming apparent to me that it's no coincidence that he felt at his most convivial in empty buildings. Mm. <laughs> like, that's all, with absolutely nobody to respond, you're kind of left to make that choice yourself, and it's like, I think that would have gone down well. <laughs> and I can imagine that, and nobody can prove me wrong. <laughs> like, that's, like, when you... I act- liked his little bit of SummerSlam. It was a nice little bit with the kids. Yeah. Was, that was fine, but I just, I'm not on board with this. Let me hear your scream stuff. It's, the thing is, though, like, usually, other than the, the tiny balls thing has ruined this, because usually you can get a wrestling fan to, like, admit to, like, crimes they didn't commit if you do a little <laughs> bit of call and response. <laughs> because that's how conditioned they are to this sort of thing. So when he goes, let me hear you scream, you're going to go, hey, ah, ah, I'm going to scream, I'm going to make noise, and isn't he over? Because people are making noise, he's just don't want to do it. It was, it was a bit of a Drew McIntyre greatest hits, wasn't it, as well, by the time this program was concluded with the other stuff. Oh, my God. Like, I'm oh, just not the biggest Drew guy, I've decided. Yeah, me too. 
So, yeah, he says, uh, I know it might be a surprise to see me here tonight, but it would be a bigger surprise to see the other guy. Uh, he says, look, our match isn't happening on some fictional island of relevancy. It's happening on my island. Uh, not the right bit of it, but, you know. Um, he said, I'm going to win the titles. I'm going to bring them to every live event and show the fans the respect they deserve, etc. and the titles too. Um, he said, look, I've uh, he's seen some things about our reports of a bad back and... Great to say it's true, because I've been carrying this bloody company for the last two years. Uh, I'm going to become champion, and maybe we'll get some fun title matches when I'm champ. You know, maybe it'll be me versus Champa, or, or AJ Styles, or Seth freaking Rollins, or Karrion Cross, and then Kevin Owens interrupts. Uh, and he says, oh, yeah, Kevin Owens as well. And Owens is like, don't do that with me. Don't say my name after I've come out. Don't take the piss. Uh, he says... As big and bad as you are, I don't know why you're trying on this bloody tough guy act. You're talking with this big, loud voice. You, you've got a sword. You've got a kilt. What do you think this is? Bloody medieval times. Uh, you're de- delusional. You're not carrying anyone else's weight. I'm here to remind everyone who I was. Look, I've spent the last couple of years just showing up to work and just having a good time. But I remembered something today. It was in this arena that me and Sami Zayn fought our asses off at Battleground. Uh, and we tried to kill each other, and it was so many years ago, and it was six six, six years, I think it was. Yeah. Jesus um, Christ! Yeah, <laughs> that made me feel. Nineteen ninety seven and nineteen ninety one, yeah. six years apart. It's wild, isn't it? There's not a single era where you can't do that, and it just be insane compared to modern WWE. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he said, "Well, I'm going to bring back the prize fighter. It's been five years since I held a belt in WWE. Enough is enough. It's time for a change. Um, I'm coming after every title that I can." Uh, and I'm coming for the winner of your match with Roman Reigns, basically. Uh, and McIntyre's fired up. He says, I'm fed up with people and just making things up to get a cheap reaction. Um, Let I'm- me hear you scream! <laughs> I, you know, someone said, oh, I was the chosen one. The chosen one was 15 years ago. And then I got fired and I worked my ass off. He didn't call, I didn't call WWE. They called me. And then I beat Brock. I beat Goldberg. I, I beat, called. <laughs> 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 beat Randy. I beat everyone. Don't dare you look at me in the eye and try and pull that BS again. Maybe it's time to stop talking. We're two wrestlers in a wrestling ring. Why don't we freaking wrestle right about now? And Owen says, oh, you're not much of a prize, but you're on. He was kind of having his haggis and eating it too, wasn't he, Drew? Yeah. Because he was doing that sort of bit where he was like, you know, like, I'm this and I'm this and I'm this and I'm not complaining about it. And it's like, <laughs> you sort of sound like you are, pal. Make your mind up. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think they've fucked him. I've got to be honest. Like, I was, for nothing more than geography, Clash at the Castle felt it. I didn't particularly want it. Like, I don't think he's the guy to replace Roman Reigns and end this long streak. And they're not splitting the belts. It's going to be for both. That seems clear now. So you've got this huge universal title run that could come to an end. A little bit of me thinks it, but now it's only for geography. I I do not see it in him. And unfortunately, that's just how wrestling goes. It's quite cruel. It's not that he hasn't worked hard. Said it before on a lot of different, like, periods in the last couple of years that he's probably deserved more than he's had in front of these... Big crowds for what he didn't have back in 2020. Sometimes the ship just sails, and I, I really think it has for him. He's just regurgitating ultimately the same nonsense. He was saying all this the last time he was a headliner. He falls from grace a little bit, gets back into the position, and is just saying the same stuff because WWE, for the longest time, hasn't had a functioning hierarchy. I just don't believe him. I work hard, right? Well, I don't want... Don't don't think I should win a title because of it. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think I should. 
Like it's just I don't know. It's he's been saying this for two years. It's not this radical thing, and I think I think this got a lot of praise. And you know the delivery was really good, and the fans the back obviously and forth was good. Felt natural. Yeah, felt more natural. Delivery was good. The fans were obviously energized by it, and they received it with a really good ovation and a reaction and all the rest of it. But like screaming the word wrestling where it was once forbidden, I cannot and will not confuse that for a great wrestling promo. Um, yeah, it's just I'm. Um, not particularly up for this. And look, we're skipping ahead here. But if Drew was the guy, why book him in a 15-minute match with a non-finish? I don't think the booking was strong. If the booking no. here w- was designed to convince me, look, he's going to shout wrestling really loudly. He's going to fight a really good and stiff and hard match against Kevin Owens. If the booking here was designed to make me think, right, Drew is the guy, right? Then why have not beat someone? It was, it was bad booking. Yeah, I was I was intrigued. Triple H is capable of it, guys. I was intrigued to see where this match goes because we often sit here and talk about oh neither of these guys can afford to lose, and I thought I'm probably going to go to a DQ there. It's a Triple H cheat code, and we'll get to it later. I know we're skipping ahead. Maybe do the recap. First. Oh, I'll, I'll run through the match because they they went to war. They beat the crap out of each other here. Um, frog splash uh, off the apron from uh, from Owens takes us to a break. McIntyre fights back, uh, hits suplexes, hits a neck breaker. Owens hits him with a DDT for a two count. Oh look, another Mishinoku driver. Uh, that was after Owens went for a swanton, but McIntyre got his knees up. Uh, Owens responded with a cannonball and a frog splash for a two count. Goes up, right? That's not worked. I'll hit a swanton this time for another near fall. This gets a this is awesome chant. Uh, Owens goes up top again, but McIntyre catches him up there and comes off the top with a white noise for a near fall. Then he headbutts Owens. Owens hits him with a super kick. And McIntyre clotheslines him. They both collapse, and then they start trading fists in the center of the ring. Uh, goes for a pop-up powerbomb, does Owens, but McIntyre slips out and hits a future shock DDT. Goes into the corner, goes to do his big Claymore countdown. He's setting up. And the moment they start punching in really close to the camera, I was like, here it comes. Uh, and the Usos, of course, get involved. They grab his leg. They jump him. DQ. Uh, McIntyre fights him off, sends them both from the ring, and turns around straight into a Kevin Owens stunner. And Owens nods at the Usos and says, tell your tribal chief he owes me one. He leaves. Usos come in to sort of pick the bones, but McIntyre fights them off again and hits, I think it was Jimmy, with a claymore and uh, leans through the ropes with the camera nice and tight on him to say he'll see them and Roman Reigns on Friday night SmackDown. Triple H hasn't known this from when he was wrestling. and He was the one diamond in this business. But, like, you cannot deliver this finish without cutting the runtime in half. Like, it just, any was he was the wrestler that had these matches and delivered finishes like this, or sometimes pedigree pinfalls that were as disappointing as a no finish after, like, a, a match that went 15 to 20 or to 30 minutes sometimes that could have been sliced in half. As entertaining and as spirited as this was in places, because, again, I think it's a motivational thing. Genuinely, I feel like the, the vibe and the atmosphere amongst those that know they're in safer hands, their careers are in safer hands, is being reflected in the quality of the matches. Because I think, like me and Sidgwick, are going like, to disagree on one of these later on in the show. The work was very good from wrestlers you would expect it from as well. Uh, the finish still knocks the wind out of you mm. and still sucks the fun out of it in any happy memories you might have had of it. Even in like something that is fundamentally quite meaningless. There were, I think there's a, a really nice detail here. Kevin Owens saying he wants to win every belt as a prize fighter puts over the secondary titles yes. whilst being a statement of intent that he would happily drop into the tag division or fight Roman Reigns. for the th- like, That's a, like an important detail, not least when he's saying, right, 
Usos, that was a freebie. Don't forget to tell your Tribal Chief. Who else is mixing in mm-hmm. with the Tribal Chief? Sami Zayn, who he mentioned earlier in a promo. And I don't think these details are for wasting. And I, like, So I like a lot of the little like potential seeds being planted here. But I, if you're going to be trapped in the non-finished thing, it's the thing I'm still going to be left with most. And that's annoying. I'd rather be positive about the stuff that I liked and have just seen a, a match that you could allow yourself to book a finish for. Cedric's right, this is bad booking because don't book it if you can't deliver a finish. Find another way to get here. It's not just bad booking if you don't want to deliver a finish because it renders it meaningless and it's a bit corny and unfocused and having your cake and eating it too, but the recipient of this booking was the guy you're expected to believe is on an absolutely unstoppable march towards the two biggest titles in all of wrestling. I just can't buy that he's going to be the guy and it's their job to sell him to me as the guy if I'm going to extract the maximum drama from that main event at Clash at the Castle. So that was a big tell to me that switch isn't happening. That is terrible booking. Twice. He's been left on his ass because Karen Cross did the same on that SmackDown as well. Yeah. That's yeah. like twice now that the last word for Drew that night has been laying flat on his back. Yeah. The match itself, like really invigorating, stiff, dramatic brawl where they really tried hard to manufacture the intensity of a fight to a point that I barely felt manufactured. And that's the key. Mm-hmm. But again, it was just rendered a complete waste of time. Um, no conviction in the booking. You are going to get this on Raw with its three-hour duration yep. until the end of time, and I will never stop burying it because Papa H <laughs> books it. Papa H. Uh, we were told earlier on in the show we were going to hear from Riddle, um, but instead Seth Rollins, Seth freaking Rollins, comes out with some ridiculous sunglasses on, uh, and he says the reason he's here is he's got, he's got a front-row seat. He wants to hear Riddle uh, give us this update and hopefully announce his retirement. Maybe he's going to go back to middle school and finish the seventh grade. Maybe he's going to open a farm. Uh, any ideas what that might be about? <laughs> Still ready, bro. <laughs> nah, man. Like, he could sell 420 different products from that place because I saw that number on his T-shirt, and that's what that means, isn't it? So Riddle interrupts uh, <laughs> Seth Rollins uh, and says, actually, I'm here to announce that I'm medically cleared and the next time I see you, it's on. And uh, Rollins, who's already said, oh, you're from your bloody mum's basement, you're probably filming this, says, I'm not worried. Uh, last two times, you know, you tried to you know, get involved with me. I laid you out, I left you laying, I stomped your head in, basically. Um, and Riddle says, well, surprise, I'm not at home. I'm actually here in the arena, which wasn't that much of a surprise if you looked anywhere, anywhere closely at the background. Uh, and he takes off the mic and he sprints to the ring and, and Rollins is like, oh, bollocks. Um, and uh, he's actually a smart baby face because he goes to slide in the ring and Rollins goes, oh, just stamp your head then. Perfect, perfect place this. He avoids that, attacks him, kicks, suplex. Rollins fights back, gets in control. The commentators are putting over, oh, has Riddle come back too soon, etc." Beats him up, puts him on the announce table for a stomp. Riddle avoids it, hits him with an e-strike, sends him over the barricade and chases Rollins into the crowd. But Rollins gets away and Riddle poses with the crowd and gets a little bro chant going. Can we please never forget that Triple H is stupid? Please, please. Like, you know, stupid people in wrestling can't deliver good product because wrestling itself is stupid, okay? Remember, this is an NXT staple before it was taken away from Triple H. Like... It's our locker room, guys. Let's put our uh, flag up here just to make sure <laughs> these idiots know. Just I love the idea of, go on, I've got to get a flag up here. Like, why would Eddie Kingston or John Moxley or any good babyface or Steve Austin care about, oh, I was need to put a flag here. It's mine. <laughs> why would they care? It's <laughs> so got stupid. The, blue the idea of Riddle, like, procuring a lava lamp 
and oh, I putting that, it, yeah. putting it like in shot and trying to do a ruse was like think of the work and the mechanisms involved to make this happen. So stupid. I'm sorry. It's just so stupid. And all for Seth Rollins to not run away. Yeah. Like, if it was like, oh, my God, he's actually in the building. I've been fooled. Oh, my God, that lava lamp was a ruse. Oh, he's here. <laughs> I'm going to be the cowardly baby face and run away and be a bitch. It's like, no, I'm going to kick your ass and stomp your ass. It's like, you can't have both things, Triple H. You can't. This was not a good angle, but well, it's Papa H. Everything he does is good. Although internet sites are saying it's, oh, it's 8.5 hours. Do you know what? Should, considering, like, what we all got used to in 2020, they should have done, like, a Zoom background gag where, like, Riddle clicks a thing, and it's like, that was actually just my background, and then the background reveals that he's just backstage at Raw. Yeah. Something like that, like, thought a little bit more of it, because that was proposed. You were just waiting for him to shout off screen, no thanks, Mom, I'll be up in a minute. <laughs> um, that, on this, Riddle speaks differently now. Like, he talks differently. Like, this is Van Damme, where, like, you cut that, like, screaming promo one night stand. Oh, I could say it was dude and bro. <laughs> it's, it's happening to Riddle. Like, his voice yeah. is different outside of having to work for Vince McMahon anymore. It's... Really weird what yeah. that man made people do every single week at their workplace. He's gone on the two things. Mm-hmm. If you're going to yeah. go to this elaborate, preposterous thing where you buy a lava lamp and you say, right, get this in shop because it's all the big boost to get that arsehole, at least, right, pay that off by having Seth Rollins go, my, yeah, I'm so scared. I need to run away like a bitch because Keels, Keels can and probably should be cowardly because I'm going to stamp your ass in the mad asshole with my curb stomp. <laughs> the beast scared. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there was a bit of me. These things was, don't connect, but I, they connect because it's Papa age. I knew it was going to be. I think maybe maybe I just didn't recognize that because I was I was so concerned that I thought, oh god, they're going to do the gimmick where it's like actually this message is pre-recorded, and then I was already in my head going, well, wait a second, how would he know that Seth Rollins would interrupt, and how do you know to leave such long gaps for <laughs> Seth Rollins to talk about his bollocks? But it's a really good point of like, make sure you get the lava lamp. I brought it with me actually. It's all designed to fool Seth Rollins so that he gets scared when he realizes I'm here. And he's not going to get scared because he's a Triple H guy and Triple H guys kick fucking ass. <laughs> Next week, uh, Kyle O'Reilly's phone's going to Even the heels kick ass. Uh, he's going to be ringing off the hook because he's going uh, to like, I need a video package making. Can you, can you sort me out, please? I can't fool him with my lava lamp again. Uh, and later on uh, with Kevin Patrick, uh, Riddle challenged Rollins to a match at Clash at the Castle. Speaking of video packages, there's a nice one again. Uh, hyping up Bobby Lashley versus AJ Styles and the prestige of the uh, US title, of course. Uh, then we got a Veer Mahan squash match. He uh, hit him, hit some Bo Keller, I think was his name. He hit him with a million dollar arm and uh, grabbed his. Uh, um, you hit him with the cervical clutch, I think it was. That's the submission, isn't it? I mean, they're just. Isn't that a pussy? <laughs> <laughs> Again, a strange thing for Triple H. Like, oh yeah, we need to pick up the Veer thing. <laughs> yeah, do you, Paul? Like, uh, but WWE remains the best at finding funny jobbers. Yes, like the guy, like they've always find the right guy to take the loss. You are kind of left with a little like there's a visual imprint in your brain from one of the squashes because, and it's weird this. Like more often than not, like some of the giants aren't impressive enough anymore. So it's like, well, we have got to find the skinniest, palest weed we can. And yeah, they did a really good job of that. Uh, I, I didn't think the Veer thing was coming back, but here we are. Yeah, it, it's weird. This was a weird. Felt like an, inter, an interruption into the regularly scheduled Raw. This yeah. I've, I've completely forgotten all about the Veer stuff, I've got to be honest. So I was like, oh, it's still a thing. But he's decent, like, worth a shot. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, what they called control, supposedly. I still haven't, they, like, it was I think le- they've sort of referenced it. Felt but that way, then. They, that not getting mentioned this week made me feel like they've gone off it. So pro- someone's probably told them about the existence of control, your narrative. Yeah. Mm. Well, what about this? So it's barely. Sky and Kai, isn't it? BSK. 
that's fine, isn't it? It's pretty Domino's. Sounds domino. pretty good to me. That's what they, That's why the whole yeah, bones, yeah. asshole. Bones and crew. Explain to me, asshole, why the crew starts with a cave, asshole. <laughs> cave is for knives, which is what we used to have in the locker room with some guns. Goddamn, went over a man's business. Call him BSK. Hey, I like the sound of corn. Please call him BSK. I was just no, please call him BSK. Uh, so they get interviewed. <laughs> what the fuck is it on the table? Women? I don't take too kindly to no women. Don't get me wrong, I like poontang pie. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Hold like that, boogie. <laughs> when I was over in the desert, left him left behind. <laughs> nice try, Bailey, but I don't sleep. I always wanted Dakota Cato in the streak. Vince wanted Brock Lesnar. All of this is spoilers for his uh, dead one-man show. Oh, He's yeah. In Cardiff. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Undertaker in Bad Seinfeld in Cardiff. Yeah, no. The world's weird now. I like it. Let's see him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I won't uh, believe what they fed me on the plane over here. <laughs> seen this? You heard about this? Rolls his eyes, sticks his tongue out. Like airplane, but you know, it's on the tip of it. <laughs> um... <laughs> Anyway, that VSK. Uh, uh, What's ready the deal to- with Kane? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something. It's the greatest story ever told. <laughs> you know how when you're getting burned alive in a coffin, anybody here with me? <laughs> BSK are ready to win the tag titles, and they've got their six-woman tag at Clash at the Castle. Oh. Uh, and Dakota Kai's getting interviewed, and then she sees Dana Brooke, who she's about to face, and goes over to them, and Dana Brooke says, I'm here on Monday Night Raw, and I'm not, in, I'm not intimidated by you. I'll fight anyone. And Kai says, oh, fear's a good motivation. Maybe you should be afraid. And I was like, you clearly had, like, five minutes to kill, didn't you? You'd already already gone long on some of the matches, and you're still like, I got nothing. From Becky Lynch, three to BSK. It's so funny to me that real stars don't want the 24-7 title and actually is now sort of making that over. Yeah. That, uh, I'm not fighting you for this. I'm just beating you off. Yeah. I want that. <laughs> uh, then we got the US Championship match. Uh, Bobby Lashley versus AJ Styles. Really enjoyable. This sliding knee and a forearm off the apron from Styles. This takes to a break early on. Uh, Lashley's chucking Styles around ringside when we come back. Styles comes back, but he's selling his back, and Lashley's dropped him with a spine buster, and he gets whipped into the turnbuckles a couple of times. Here come Miz and Champa um, to ringside as Lashley knocks Styles off the apron. Champa distracts Lashley, so Miz can go after Styles. But before he could do anything, here comes Dexter Loomis, as you mentioned, who jumps the barricade, and they sort of reference it and then try and say, oh, but don't talk about that. We want to talk about a match. And uh, Loomis is tackled by security, and for the second week in a row... No one really cares. Um, what's, what's he so mad with Champion and his fours and AJ and all? Why, like, why is he mixing in? I don't know. They're not like you know Johnny's coming, or uh, you know that's why it's, that's, there's an urgency to what he's doing. He's trying to get at things. Yeah, he's crashing his car on the way in. So like, what's? I need to tell you something. I need to, Johnny's coming. I'm I don't know. Is this, is this Johnny got gone? Go get them. Oh, let's, can I just set this bin on fire quickly. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> You can hardly see Cargana like blasting through a door like John Nixon's trying to get you. You're Danny. He's like big grin on his face. Oh, good, you're back. Nice to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Theory's like, thank Christ you're here. Jesus Christ, mate, where have you been? The way, yeah? Who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, during the break, Lashley speared Miz and the refs kicked Miz and Champer out from ringside. 
Styles fights back. Uh, I think he hits a phenomenal forearm on the outside and comes back in and hits a sort of forearm, but it's not phenomenal. Uh, Lashley kicks out, though. Uh, running power slam for two. Styles is a rack bomb for a two. Lashley hits a sort of modified dominator for a two. Uh, Lashley drives Styles into the post, goes to the spear, but Styles counters into the calf crusher. Nice transition from that. Lashley just grabs him and hurt locks him on the ground, uh, but Styles managed to flip over to make it to a pinfall. That gets him two. Goes for the phenomenal forearm. Lashley ducks it. Spear, one, two, three. Bobby Lashley retains the US title. Hamlet's going to be nice, so he'll do a bit of bad news, good news, leave on a good note and all the rest. I just did not understand why this went 21 minutes. I don't think it flattered. Well, you didn't. You didn't. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> if this show was two hours long, yes. there's not a chance in hell, right? Given the stakes, given the one of the guys involved, Bobby Lashley, who I think is so good going 12 minutes, one of the best wrestlers in all of the game on the evidence of that champion match going like that kind of mm-hmm. match length, where it really feels like there's an urgency. He can kill you at any moment, and the opponent recognizes this and has to wrestle out of their goddamn skin to just get an advantage, let alone survive. 12 minutes is the perfect Bobby Lashley match. 21 minutes, I just genuinely thought, ironically, given the absolute specimen that he is, that there was just a lot of unnecessary flap. And again, I'm haunted. I don't want to use the word bloody traumatized because, Jesus Christ, it's wrestling. Who cares? But there's a word that's less... That doesn't have the con- connotations of that word that could be used to describe the sensation I feel to not invest. When it goes that slow and that long, you're thinking, well, what's the point? It could go to a DQ or whatever. And it will take ages for me to peel away that husk and just be ready to just sort of accept the story as it's happening to me. So maybe there is an element to that, particularly when you saw a DQ finish earlier mm-hmm. in the show, where you think, there's no point, there's no point. So maybe that is to blame, but I didn't think Styles was particularly sharp for the first five minutes. I didn't think it was particularly interesting for the first half. The last seven minutes were good, but that's possibly because that's the match they should have just simply had. Well, yeah, like I can't actually disagree with any of that, and yet I really enjoyed it. So I think that does speak to how a lot of these matches are going to be extremely subjective based on like your own personal investment. These these Triple H-styled 20-minute uh, mid-card title matches in that is obviously a conscious effort to rebuild these. I thought, like, AJ Styles is the best wrestler who about 75% of the time I don't give a toss about. Probably the best yes. wrestler ever who 75% of the time I don't. Like, WWE agenting has made has dulled so many of his blades. And then we talked about this a couple of times earlier this year. Yeah, that was it. That match he had with Rey Mysterio springs to mind. Yeah, it? it was like 10 minutes. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, and that, you know, and I, I do accept that as a criticism. But just every now and then, some reason he seems like leap out of his box for me when I'm watching him. And I thought the runtime benefited Bobby Lashley here in the wider story they're telling with him. He's this jacked monster of a guy that is suddenly carrying a workhorse title and is going to be expected to defend it every week. And you're going to have to see him push to varying and different limits. Some weeks he's going to have hoss fights. Some weeks he's going to have to engage in a bit more map-based stuff, a bit more technical stuff. He's going to have to deal with an AJ style. Like the, the finish here was sort of a perfect, like kind of... I don't know, like Coronation of Lashley is this complete performer because he ducks out of the way and then still has the pace and the spring to hit that wicked spear. So they're telling you that Bobby Lashley has got the lot and without a world champion around all the time, unless Drew brings a belt back, like 
this is what the mid-card champions should look like. Yeah. The gatekeepers to the, even the possibility of being a top guy. So I think this match's length and like the bits where it was slowed down a little bit, obviously some of it was for the Lemus stuff as well. Like that was like that was a couple of minutes, two or three minutes, where you were asked to just stare at the floor rather than the, what was going on in the ring, um, or at least think about it. So I think it was used and abused a little bit for that. But I just found their chemistry so engaging. And the job that, again, I'm more of a sucker for this as well. So I'm... Sidrick mentioned the husk. I just don't think I have it. Two or three weeks of them telling me, oh, this belt matters now, and we're going to show you that we mean it. We mean it this time, we promise. I'm like, okay, brilliant, sorted. Like, I'm just that much of a, 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 a mug and a mark to it. You're both a bit like dogs, aren't you? Mm. You two both are a bit like dogs. I resent the comparison in theory, but you're bang right. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you a very quick story before we move on about discipline, right? I love discipline. Right? Big disciplinarian, right? Again, I'm going to invoke an AEW versus WWE comparison because I do believe the best wrestling company in North America sets the tone, right? I don't necessarily want WWE to do rankings and blood. And all, it can do its own thing, yeah, yeah, but yeah. with a certain idea to a similar set of principles. AJ won last week to get his title shot. And yeah. little things like that, I think, yeah. are, uh, you know. But the point I'm trying to make, right, is that John Moxley has been defending this interim AEW world title in brilliant matches, none of which go over 15 minutes. The idea being that you can't conflate TV and pay-per-view. Pay-per-view matches feel special as a result, and I know it's a rights fee business, but if they're still doing that narrative model, I still expect it mm-hmm. to be serviced. So 21 minutes for no real reason kind of pisses me off. John Moxley goes 12 to 15 against Takeshita, against Mance Warner, against Roosh, and you know it's all varying degrees of absolutely awesome because it's John Moxley, right? He goes 22 minutes with Chris Jericho, and you're thinking, this feels epic. This feels like a proper mm. main event. And by God, in the last five minutes, you feel like Punk's not coming back, so they decided to do Marks versus Jericho because they need to do a stipped-up rematch because that's your all-out main event. And you're thinking, this is going long because there's a switch. This is going long because it's special, and the crowd was so with it. They were fighting fight forever with Chris Jericho, for God's sake. And that's because they told a disciplined story of this fighting champion who you can get a lick against, but... In within 12 to 15 minutes, it's going to kill you. When you go past that time limit, it really feels special. It really feels in doubt. It really feels dramatic. And that's discipline. This is undisciplined. We've got a three-hour show. It just, I can't get into it yet. Maybe I will, but a Triple H, six minutes longer than it needs to be, or three minutes longer than it needs to be, is a hallmark, even when he was in charge of a two-hour show. Yeah, I agree. Uh, now we got Dakota Kai versus Dana Brooke. Didn't go very long, this. Uh, it was mainly Dakota Kai in control. Tiny bit of offense from Dana Brooke, but eventually Kai hit with that running... Is it a running knee or a running boot that she uses? Boot. Yeah, yeah, because... Yeah, I did like the bit where she just held the kick army thing when it were like the kicks were always part of the thing. I did also like the bit where she just held Dana Brooks' head down, just repeatedly kicked it. I think it was yeah. a Seth Rollins thing before that. It was uh, a Dush Out of Quarter thing. Thank you. Uh, Corey Graves yeah. called it as such as well, didn't he? Like that again, that's all we're awesome. Oh, look what got him Oh my God, Triple H. Straightforward victory for Kai, though. Yeah. And it, like, again, it's sort of the thing where it's all, all of it is like more bigger picture than anything exciting that's actually happening in front of you. Right, let's move on to the main event of Monday Night Raw. Theory versus Dolph. Skip, skip. thought this was coming. You yeah. know, it was all right. Yeah, yeah, but I don't care. No. Theory won. There you go. Enough of all that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five-star review review. Nailed it. Papa H. And this week's five-star review review is brought to you by DJ Ringus. You know no one called him Papa Delirious for giving you matches that were (laughs) ten minutes longer than they had to be. So why do I have to do it for Triple H? 
Uh, tweet that. I had that in my draft, so I thought I've already buried him for long matches, so I'm going to save that for next week. <laughs> the mega fans will forgive it's me. It's just a good job nobody has ever had a nickname for TK himself, Longbone Tone himself. Yeah, no, no. It's a, a good job that guy never got any nicknames, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, anyway, DJ Ringus uh, is uh, this week's five-star review review. If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling rated for us to review instead of a, a god-awful Raw segment or the main event of Monday Night Raw, <laughs> uh, you can do so by subscribing to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review on there. Or if you want to leave us a five-star review on Spotify and just email me a review, you can do adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. DJ Ringus writes, Hey, lads, uh, I've been listening to the show since returning to TV wrestling last summer with the first dance. I was a lapsed. TV wrestling fan only keeping up with indie promotions and New Day segments and following whatever 3.0 Everize 2.0 are doing on YouTube since 2014 when Punk left. Uh, I very much enjoy the detail and insight and encyclopedic knowledge both Dadleys bring when discussing AEW, especially bringing it to football analogies. Now, I still only watch Dynamite and Rampage on telly. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed watching the WWE product through your eyes, especially Hamlet and Wilborn's SmackDown uh, and Sidge getting pulled into the muck with them during 2.0 reviews. <laughs> uh, after following along without watching for almost a year, it is slightly jarring when I actually go on social media and get faces to the names and very funny voices of the uh, WWE NXT 2.0 roster. Uh, Wilborn's retelling of these shows is, from what I can tell, infinitely better than the shows themselves. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, for the five-star review review, I'd like to request something from my favorite era of NXT. No, it isn't the black of gold of uh, 2014 to 2019, but the wild world of NXT Redemption. Redemption was my favorite of the weeklies in 2011-2012, uh, and it was like how NXT UK gets described now, a lost world for wrestlers to do whatever they wanted away from the Raw and SmackDown formula. He presented several options to us, um, but unsurprisingly, the one that caught my eye um, was... Titus O'Neil and Darren Young. Um, now, DJ Ringer suggests uh, Titus O'Neil coaching Darren Young into trying to date Tamina, but I searched for this and I found Titus O'Neil, Tamina, um, how can I put this? Darren Young and a coconut tree, basically. Yeah. So set the scene, Hamlet, um, for, well, for redemption and for, for, for this whole Titus, Darren Young pre-primetime players all, I suppose. They, well, let us know what's yeah. going on. I feel like every time we have an NXT Redemption five-star review, it's just an opportunity for me and Sidgwick to talk about how much we both loved NXT Redemption. And there's a sort of, there was a, there was a bit of self-hatred attached to loving NXT Redemption because like, wow, well, WWE is broken and it's never getting fixed. Like the CM Punk pipe bomb has failed and it's never getting fixed. So uh, NXT Redemption will just have to do as this weird, uh, like mutated version of Raw and SmackDown that is like... So left alone, like NXT UK is so left alone that it simply doesn't exist. NXT Redemption is so left alone that the wrestlers are somehow given more creative freedom backstage on an internet show than they are on Raw and SmackDown every week. That cannot be when this is supposed to be the developmental arm of the company. This is their first taste of television, you know. Redemption forever being the ultimate gag at the wrestlers' expense that Redemption means they get this one last shot at getting to the main roster. And then that contest never ends, and then the show gets cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> Just the most incredible WWE long-term gag payoff ever. Uh, specifically as relates to the, I think when they said, the future primetime players. Titus O'Neil and Darren Young were in a never-ending feud with each other. Uh, in that, even when it ended, after a year of back and forth. That's and not hype. 
hyperbole. 46 weeks, I believe Titus O'Neil said, when he defeated Darren Young in the grand payoff, only to then turn heel on each and every one of you and like lay out all his frustrations with this, uh, rightfully so, yeah. this ridiculous process he'd been subjected to, including situations such as this that he found himself in with Tamina. Tamina, by the way, here, who, like, let's be honest, isn't any good, but <laughs> was at least not good in a place where you could sort of experiment with that and maybe have a little bit of fun with that compared to not being very good when nervously trying to follow over-scripted dialogue and failing to do that. Like, whenever people were rubbish on Redemption, they didn't feel like they were falling flat on the face. It almost felt like it was contributing to the chaos and it gave them another chance to do better next week. Johnny Curtis, we talk about, was kind of like... Curtis, Maxine, Caitlin, and Derek Bateman were the absolute highlights of the show week on week. Another thing you brought up this morning was uh, Matt Stryker being kidnapped. Yes. Like that whole run, Maxine's wedding, things like that. This was a place where at very least there was a freedom of expression. So failing wasn't this doomed, not an option, like sort of, I, I don't know, like an avenue for wrestlers that they could never recover from on the main shows. Memories of NXT redemption. Uh, just... Johnny Curtis being a disgusting pervert. <laughs> That's basically it. That is basically, it was for me, the Johnny Curtis show. I was so high on that guy and his so like good. just incredible sleazeball ways. I just thought there's an act there. Monetize it. Just please. She put her fingers in my mouth. I loved it. The only thing I remember Johnny Curtis was when they were hyping him up on the main roster and we'd get these little vignettes and he'd like cry milk cry because it would well, not cry because he spilled some milk or paint himself into a corner right this was a guy and it kind of this got in front of the likes of being the elite or, or, or even the young books on tv you know when the young books did that really good gag about watching tv a weird way to take the piss out of wb curtis would realize that the staging of a wb backstage segment is preposterous so the camera would be moving along, and like Derek Bateman and Caitlin would just be talking, and you don't know the camera's there, it's invisible. They're just having a conversation about what they're doing this weekend. And then it would pull out ever slightly, and like Johnny Curtis is like half up a scaffold upside <laughs> down, like watching from below, and they're like, what are you doing? Uh, hey guys, so tonight out there in the match, and he'd start the segment like upside down, like stroking his nipple, because you could play with this yeah. scenery, like this makes no sense, how is this happening? Yeah. You can do whatever you want with it. It's the absolute disdain they had for the show. Like, I'm trying to get off... Next day, I want to go, I want to go smash it. Like, <laughs> this show's absolutely sucks. Uh, so, yeah, Tamina's walking backstage when uh, the legend that is Titus O'Neil approaches, approaches her and she says, oh, don't even touch me. You know what I'm talking about. What you did last week in your match to your own partner. I mean, who does that? Titus says, yeah, you know what, you're right. And you know what? To prove to you and to everyone else that I'm not as bad as people think, I've got a peace offering for you. i got you a coconut, <laughs> I got you a coconut tree. <laughs> You see, when Bateman and Caitlin were talking about getting their little coconut tree, you said you wanted one, so I went and got your coconut tree. And he goes, huh? Like that. <laughs> he hands it to him. Huh? Come on. The implied LTST of a coconut tree being dropped into the script and elsewhere to then feature here is and, uh, brilliant. It's great. Uh, and Tamina says, wow, this is so unlike you, but so sweet. Come here. And she... She kisses Titus on the cheek and he, he makes a noise, sort of a bit like the UFC noise. It's <laughs> more <laughs> so like, oh, like, oh. From Titus, right? <laughs> Reckons he could well be in. Yeah. <laughs> she's playing with her hair well regularly, <laughs> except she's meant to be remembering a spot. <laughs> so she goes, thanks, kisses him on the cheek, walks off. Titus. <laughs> <laughs> <Does. laughs> 
dancing in the background, doing the, doing a bus. People talk about Hangman Page stood in the tunnel as like this, all, like all-time great bit of like sight gag storytelling. Not as good as this. Not as good as the camera following Tamina, and you, all you can watch is Titus dancing in the background. Uh, and <laughs> we talked about this in the office. Probably. <laughs> Tamina walks off carrying the coconut tree. She bumps into Darren Young and she says, "Hello, Darren Young." <laughs> Also, because people might never go and search that on YouTube. It's not a tree, is it? <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's a pot with soil in. It's, it's a planted in a tree. Minute, she says, isn't it pretty? And I go, it's a pot with some soil in. <laughs> it's funny. NXT Redemption was funny. <laughs> hello, Darren Young, she says. <laughs> he says, hello, Tamina. Just to interrupt quickly, right? Remember when uh, Jimmy Uso first came back? Oh, yeah. I think it was like 2020, 2021. And uh, he said to Roman Reigns, you know, because he's like, main event, Jim, uh, main event Jay, he's trying to, like, you know, gas him up and all the rest of it. Was I not going to be a bitch like my brother <laughs> Jay? And it's like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> first of all, you've been in the same company for like several years. <laughs> Second of all, uh, you're related. <laughs> Second of all, the twins. <laughs> <laughs> I think even if he'd had some kind of like, f- he'd been in a fugue state. <laughs> over the past seven years, the familial and professional life, and he snapped out of it in that moment, you probably wouldn't have to specify <laughs> that he's your brother because you're quite obviously twins. I'm not going to be a bitch like my brother, Jay. And I hopped on Twitter, and I went, uh, right, the exposition's rubbish. <laughs> and I did some kind of gag about fairly for all those reasons. Yeah. Like, well, I'm fairly certain it can be inferred that they're brothers. For like literally every reason under the sun, and, like, I've never been quote-tweeted into a blur. Oh. The, the beating your ass in the quote-tweets. Like, hey, dickhead, he's saying it for emphasis. It's like, no, he's saying it because you're an idiot, as you're yeah. proving with a quote-tweet. Mm. And I was, like, the main character of Twitter for a day. <laughs> Honestly, it was absolutely unbelievable. Usos came in with Tamina. Yes. So maybe that's just LTST, and that's how they all speak. <laughs> each time they name each other by name. That's a very good point, Jay. I agree, Jimmy. Thanks, yeah. Tamina. Uh, it's right. the worst hack writing imaginable, but no, I'm 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 biased. Uso's sorry, be- sorry. Uso's better in the QT. <laughs> yeah. uh, Which sorry, one? I'm, so- <laughs> so, I'm sorry for being biased. Uh, hello, Darren Young. <laughs> hello, to me now. <laughs> he says, "Where'd you get that coconut tree from?" And she goes, "Oh, Titus just gave it me." <gasps> and it, I like this because I wrote it down because it's just. She goes, like I say, it's a, it's a, it's a pot with some soil in. Isn't it pretty? It's so nice. And I think she forgets the line. And she goes, I can't wait to go and plant it. Join the whole you don't need to plant it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, and uh, don't think it's fuming. Right. Titus attacks us in. He goes, Titus, what's your problem? For weeks I've been trying to give to me that coconut tree. You know I like her, man. He goes, and Titus goes, okay, and? He says, look, I understand you're a little disappointed. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not really that interested in Tamina either. But I just want to prove to you once again that I'm better than you. <laughs> he says, I got more game than you. I look better than you. I dress better than you. Just face it, Darren. We're partners, but I'm just playing better than you because I'm a player from the Himalayas. <laughs> See ya. And then he dances away singing. See ya. Two things, because that's very little to add. There he goes, Kazama. Fire! <laughs> he says it so loud. 
To, Tamina could have watched this. Tamina could have simply sat yeah. down, watched the tape. All right, okay, well, there's a ruse happening. Can't really believe in uh, Titus O'Neil here. He's, uh, he's trying to pull a rugger, trying to you mm-hmm. know pull a fast one. But no one ever watches the shoe. Why would they watch the shoe? <laughs> Darren Young, like, basically explaining to Tamina without saying as much that he knows that, like, Titus O'Neil's nicked his idea because he sees a pot with some soil in and goes, that's coconut tree for that. <laughs> How the f- would he know that unless it was something that he tried to set up himself? Otherwise, you go. What's in the What's in the pot? Could it be a ficus? <laughs> Could it be the ficus? <laughs> I love the word ficus. Can imagine some eighties t- movie guys saying that's a ficus. Undertaker doing it as well, man. Sure. Bought myself a ficus last weekend. <laughs> Pretty quiet being the Undertaker now <laughs> on the old dusty trail. I'm finding that ficus in the desert. <laughs> See what holds up. I drive ficus, <laughs> but I don't water you. <laughs> so, uh, good news, bad news. This video does not have a comment section. Well, it has been turned off by WWE. But I thought I'm going to have a look around and see what I can find. Some other segments with, with the primetime players in and some segments with, with Tamina in. And, uh, yeah, we hit the jackpot. So um, we go to the comment section. Once again, these do not reflect the views myself, the Dadley Boys, anyone at what culture wrestling. Um, Michael Parks writes, I think Darren Young is a future WWE champion. Thoughts? Hey, Fred Ross is really good, so maybe there's a talent scout there. Mr. No Day is off the guy. Like, on the surface, it's a ridiculous comment because Darren Young never amounted to anything. But if you look at what happened to Fred Rosser subsequent to his mm-hmm. WWE run, this man, what's he called, Michael Parks? Yes. Better judge of talent than Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> he was brought back, carrying across Top Dollar and uh, uh, Dexter Loomis yeah. in a, a, a signing spree, in a gag that... If I, I, I would have tweeted that and thought, shit, if you'd put that, you wouldn't have written that on the list, would you? Yeah, that's, like, that's too, too cynical. That's too cynical. You can't do a, like, you can't do that graphic where it's like, so and so is all elite because none of them are elite. Yeah, no. <laughs> so you can't do the reply joke. Um, favorite tag team of all time? Amplet? Heart Foundation, I'd say. Cool. Justine Wright writes, I love the primetime players. This is the, I found a video where they split. I love the primetime players. Down Young and Titus O'Neill, former tag team champions and the greatest team of all time. I mean,. They're up there. If you, if you exclusively watched NXT Redemption, and that was they're up there. I'll give you the money myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Metalhead two one eight writes: Titus should be Intercontinental Champion, but no. WWE has to try and force John Cena and Daniel Bryan down our throats. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, they famously tried to force feed me Daniel Bryan to the point where I couldn't get enough of him. I was sick of him. That's how, that's how they pushed him. It's just reminded me of one of my favorite comment section kinks is people that only want like very limited ceilings for their favorites. Like, uh, God, come on, WWE. Tyson Hill should win three and then lose two. Come on. I just want very, very middling goals for them. Yeah, it's a weird thing. In my uh, previous column writing career, cut my teeth at Lords of Pain. Some uh, listeners might be aware mm-hmm. of that website. There's like forums and all the rest of it. And I was, just, I was in an argument with someone once. And like, yeah, it's like late 2013, right? You've got a potential superstar on your hands, right? Whose aspirations should go well beyond, like, the mid-card. Mm-hmm. Because he's a main eventer. It's Daniel Bryan. Yeah, she give him the IC strap, make a real workhorse title again. <laughs> <laughs> the old IC strap, make a workhorse title again, yeah? Maybe just make the guy who the fans <laughs> have selected as the main eventer, the main eventer. Um, I don't know why this made me laugh so much from Cool Chill. Uh... Primetime players have split, both going to separate ways, both single stars now in their, in, in their own names. Cool Chill writes, I like Titus O'Neill and I love his videos, but I also like Gary Young, so, you know. 
Oh, God, it's time for Gary Young to break out out of the primetime players. Uh, Still called Clive Austin. Uh, <laughs> As ever, I'm wondering how a diva gets sexualized by the end of this comment section. I'm just wondering how it happens. I found it. Uh, swap. Right. <laughs> Does not reflect the use of myself. They didn't write this. I'm just going to repeat it here. Please do not reflect the use of myself, the Dadly Boys, or what culture wrestling. I'll wrap the podcast up after this. Well, after one question, I've got to ask you after that, actually. Uh, Swap writes about a, on a video of Tamina. Uh, so hot. <laughs> so hot, I can't control my feelings. I love you, Tamina. I want to play Airplane Tickle. <laughs> oh, God. What the hell is that? What's Airplane Tickle? Do you know? Not a clue. Google it. Well, I did it. I, I thought, oh, this is going to be a, a like a, what's it called? Urban like, Dictionary thing. Mm. And all it did was just <laughs> send me why you should never go barefoot on a plane and, and, and lists like that. So I don't, I don't know what airplane tickle it is. Could if they any, have misspelled something? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't even hazard a guess is what no. this maniac's talking airplane about, to be tickle. honest. Airplane tickle. Let us know. And let us know your thoughts on all of them. You don't have to let us know. No, I don't. don't At what culture WWE on Twitter? Watch say you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Airplane Tickle. No, Michael Hamflet. Yeah, you can follow Michael Sidgwick. I said you had a question for us. That what what is Airplane Tickle? Oh right, I don't care. (laughs) Um, At M Sidgwick. (laughs) Got one last question for you after the main event between Dolph Ziggler and Theory. What's Airplane Tickle? (laughs) Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, myself and the Daddy Boys will be back later on today to preview NXT. Oh, heat wave! Um, <laughs> and thanks once more to DJ Ringus for this week's five star review. Review if you want to suggest one, uh, get it on iTunes or you can uh, do us a five star review on Spotify and email it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. But for now, it's been the raw review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us and we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 